you're listening to the Canadian Streetlight Podcast with Aaron Hale and Mike Ferrier as your hosts. Subscribe to the podcast at CanadianStreetlight.ca. Soli Deo Gloria. Well, today I wanted to share with you a message brought by Pastor Ben Lane of Coram Deo Baptist Church in Grand Prairie. And I was honored to have Ben speak at our installation service here where myself was installed and laid hands on as the new pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Fairview. And also my fellow brother Zenon uh, was installed and laid hands on as coming on to the elder team. And so this is just Pastor Ben. He's bringing the charge to the elders and also to the church from 1 Timothy chapter 4. And what a tremendous blessing just to be reminded of the great privilege that it is to serve the body of Christ, but also the high calling that it is uh, that we see in God's word to to serve with excellence, to remain steadfast, holding on to the gospel of truth, and to do so um, with urgency and in purity. And so I pray you're blessed by this charge, as Ben pointed out. It is not only for those in an elder position or a pastoral position, but it is applied to all of us as servants of Jesus Christ who seek to make him known in the world, to honor him, to build up his body as we make ourselves ready for his return and uh, how we long for that day. So here is uh, Pastor Ben Lane. The, the first little bit uh, was cut off, but uh, we still have the bulk of the message, thankfully. And uh, he is in, as I said, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in Glory, And so with that being his purpose statement, he opens chapter 4 explaining that there are going to be some people that are a part of what's going on and you're going to look up one day and they're not going to be there anymore. They're going to depart from that core truth, from that gospel, and they're going to be gone. They'll be led astray, tossed to and fro by strange winds of doctrine, whatever they may be. Not wanting to adhere to sound doctrine, they'll go elsewhere. They'll have their ears tickled any way they want, but they won't be there anymore. And so that's the foundation upon which our text in chapter 4, verses 6 through 16, is built. And now he gives Timothy a charge. He gives him instructions. And this is the main thrust of his ministry as an elder or an overseer. This is going to be the main, main purpose of his eldership. Look at verse 6. Now, as we go through this, this is going to make sense considering we've been warned. We've been warned that this, this has to do with all these people being led astray by a perverted gospel. And the charge is to hold fast and to preach the true doctrines of faith. Aaron, Zenon, preach the true doctrines of faith. Verse 6, if you put these things before you, before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Among all the teaching of the false teachers, Paul explains a good servant of Jesus Christ proclaims the true gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The words of the faith, he, he says here, they rely on sound doctrine. Paul would write to Titus, and in Titus chapter 3, verse 1, he just tells Titus simply, teach sound doctrine. It is imperative for your life and godliness and for the life of the body as well. Paul has taught Timothy these things. Paul has taught Timothy these things that he was given by the Lord Jesus himself and by the apostles as it was passed down. He is to put these things before the brothers that they might grow in the true faith that's been handed down to them by the apostles. Well, he goes on, verse 7, look, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. This is just the kind of thing that a false prophet does. They get bogged down in all the externals and they come up with stuff and they'll find a, uh, a silly myth and they'll grab a hold of it and then they'll start teaching on it and then they'll try to connect it back and they'll have everybody going, oh, okay, yeah, all right, we're with you. And, and that's not at all what the scripture says. He says, don't have anything to do with that. That's their instrument for leading people astray. That's not what you're doing. You're building up the body. You're building up the brethren. You're pushing them on and urging them on into godliness. You don't have anything to do with that sort of thing. They're, they're futile things and they lead men astray. And here's the thing, and we'll see this in a moment. It has a real lasting impact on the souls of men. This isn't just a trifling thing. This isn't just a, oh, well, it's okay. Oh, well, it's not that dangerous. No, no, these things are very dangerous if you get bogged down in them, if you begin to, to go down that path. And, and Paul is telling Timothy, do not, do not let that happen. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Don't go down that path. In fact, in verse 7, he goes on. Look at what he says. Train yourself for godliness. For while training, bodily training, is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. Timothy was probably an elder in Ephesus. And so Ephesus, in uh, being a part of the Greco-Roman world, they would have known very well what it meant to train themselves for athletic activity. The Greeks began the Olympics, and so they were very uh, co competition-minded, and, and so they would train. They would train for these athletic events, and everyone be, would begin to see the effects. They would see, oh, wow, you've really slimmed down. Oh, wow, you've really put on some muscle. Oh, wow, look at you. I can see you're training for something. You can see that externally. But what Paul is trying to say here as he draws this uh, contrast between physical training and spiritual training is that these results, this physical training, doesn't last doesn't last. In fact, you know, one day, these guys who have spent all this time looking good on the exterior, they're going to take a long dirt nap, and they're going to be worm food. They're going to be worm food. All of the time that they spent on those muscles is going to be gone. It's not going to matter in eternity. And, and, and Paul is saying, Timothy, just like that, you need to be very aware of the fact that you're training in something that matters for eternity. You're training for godliness. And when your body is worm food, all the effort that you put in to spiritual training is not lost. It's not lost like bodily training. 
So again, this isn't just for Zenon and Aaron. Let us think these things through in our own life and godliness. The time you spend in God's Word is not time wasted. Time you spend in prayer is not time wasted. Time you spend in fellowship with the body, that is not time wasted. You're growing in godliness and you are investing in an eternal reward. You are. And so let's keep that in mind. Spend your time growing in godliness. He emphasizes that. Look at verse 9. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Well, of course it is. It's God's word. But he goes on to explain further just, just why that's the case. Look at verse 10. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope. We have a hope. And it is set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Paul says this instruction is trustworthy. It's reliable. It's deserving of full acceptance. Here's why. Because it's concerned with the true gospel. It's concerned with the true gospel. The gospel is not to be trifled with. It's, it's not to... It's not to be mixed because it's our, look at the words he uses, hope. It's our only hope, this gospel. We cannot grow lax in our growth in the truth. We cannot set it aside. We cannot think that it is not important for us. It is very important for us. It's the way that we grow. It makes me think of Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted, rooted deep by rivers of water, bearing fruit in its season. And in all he does, he prospers. We cannot grow lax in our training in godliness or in the proclamation of the truth. Why not? Why not? Because our very lives depend on it. Our very lives depend on it. Our lives, Aaron, Zenon, our lives as elders, but also the life of the people under our care. Their lives depend on an unmixed, unperverted gospel declaration. Time in and time out. Well, no wonder, James says, not many of you should become teachers. No wonder there will be a stricter judgment because it's a powerful gospel we hold to with powerful consequences. Powerful consequences and eternal consequences. Paul tells the Corinthians that God saves foolish and weak people. If you're not foolish and weak, this is not the place for you. He says the gospel says foolish and weak people. No wonder that he would use foolish and weak people like us to preach the gospel. As is a picture of God's grace. In order that, as the reformers would say, soli deo gloria. To God alone be the glory. Well, Paul reminds Timothy not only to preach the truth, but to exercise authority. 
Exercise authority. Look at verse 11. Command and teach these things. Aaron, Zenon, when you proclaim the true word of God, you wield authority. You wield authority. Your proclamation of Scripture is authoritative. Here's why. Because God's word is authoritative. Not because necessarily of anything in you, but because as you speak the oracles of God, God's word is authoritative. That's the thing, though, that gets pastors into a lot of trouble. You know it? As they begin to exercise authority and, and they do so by preaching the word of God. It does. It gets, gets pastors in a lot of trouble because we don't like authority. We do not like authority. All I've got to do is go to some of your parents that are sitting here in this room and saying, you know, teenage years, how was that? Uh-uh, rebellion did not like authority, and we see it in our lives. And so you haven't been called. You have not been called to be liked. You haven't been called to be liked. You haven't been called to tickle ears. You haven't been called to stay out of trouble. You have been called to preach the word of God. And that's what I charge you to do. That's what Paul would charge Timothy to do, to preach sound doctrine, no matter what the cost. You haven't been called to share your opinion. You may wear a suit on Sunday morning, but you are not a talk show host, okay? You've been called to preach the word. If God's word wounds the congregation, that's a part of your pastoral care. You bind them up and you walk with them through it. But you never apologize for preaching the word of God. So with that said, church, let me encourage you. Endure sound doctrine. Endure it. Sit under it. Hear it. Apply it. Love it. If you begin to hear funny things from the pulpit, ask questions. If you're seeing something that's not in the Bible, ask questions. That is, that is doing your due diligence. Relish in God's word being preached. And I know that, that this man that you've called as your under-shepherd will do just that. He'll do just that. And it is a blessing of the Lord to have a pastor and a preacher and a teacher that will teach God's word. It is an absolute blessing. In fact, it is judgment upon a congregation that has somebody who, who doesn't preach the word of God. It is. So, so be, be thankful for what you have in your, in your elders and your under shepherds who preach the word of God. Look at verse 12. He goes on. Let no one despise you for your youth. This, this literally means stop letting anyone look down on your youthfulness. Timothy was probably between the age of 38 and 42 when this was written. That doesn't seem like youth to some of us, but for some of us it does. And he says, don't let anybody look down on you because people might say you're young. The authority that comes from preaching God's word transcends age. Transcends age. You've got the Ancient of Days who is breathing out this word. And it doesn't matter who's preaching it. If they're preaching it properly, you're not to look down on them. Because of their age, their youthfulness. You continue to preach God's word boldly. Well, the key is to live your life under that authority as well. Aaron, Zenon, you live your life under the authority of God's word as well. Uh, you cannot be puffed up with pride. You have to realize that you too 
are men under authority. You're men under authority. You're under the authority of this word as well. And as you begin to live it out, others will see you mean what you say. You mean what you preach. Look at the rest of verse 12. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Don't just preach at the congregation. Don't just preach at the congregation, but also to yourself. You imagine yourself sitting here front row as you preach the gospel. Let it penetrate your heart as well. Let it cleanse your mind. The antidote for anyone looking down on your youthfulness is to set an example in godliness. That's, that's the antidote that Paul gives Timothy. You set the example in godliness. That's how you will keep people from looking down on any youthfulness. When you open your mouth, exhort people with the truth. He says, let it, be, let it happen in speech. Speak graciously with others. Season your speech with salt. All the while, never back down from the truth. Live your life in a way that you would want others to emulate. Be an example. Strive to be above reproach in all these things. That's one of the only qualifications that's repeated throughout Paul's exhortation to Titus. Be above reproach. Live your life in a way that nothing is called into question. That's the way you're to live your life. Strive to be above reproach. Love God. Love men. Show others the comfort that comes by living in faith, living in the light of the fact that God is sovereign. And it is a, it is a great comfort to us to have a sovereign God. Live that way. And then the last thing he mentions that I want to spend just a moment on is purity. Purity. You have to keep a close watch. You have to keep a close watch on purity. Peter exhorts those that read his letter, be sober-minded and watchful. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We get bogged, up, bogged down in the imagery there, the devil as a roaring lion. And sometimes we forget to do what he's prescribed, and that's be sober-minded and ever watchful. Watchful of all things. The way the enemy ravages the church easily these days is by the manifestation of the amount of impure pastors. The impure pastors that fall time and time again, that destroy congregations because of impurity in their personal lives. Robert Murray McShane once said, and I think it's a charge to us, he says, my, great, my people's greatest need is my personal holiness. My people's greatest need is my personal holiness. So do not neglect your own growth in godliness. And do not neglect your spouse. Do not neglect your spouse because we cannot forget that that is the first living picture of the gospel in your life. And if you destroy that living picture, it will affect the other living picture that you have been called to keep watch over. And that is of God's bride, the church. Look at 13. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Now, this, this exhortation, this teaching, this reading of Scripture, it should be a devotion. As he says, devote yourself. It should be a devotion of love. 
And this is what we set you apart for, men. This is what the church sets you apart to do. Publicly read scripture, exhort with it, teach it, devote yourselves to it, and to prayer. Read the scripture publicly, exhort from it, teach from it. Church, that's what you're freeing these men up to do, to spend time in these disciplines. Be careful, church, listen to me. Be careful of the expectations that you may be placing upon these elders. Make sure they're biblical expectations. If they're biblical expectations, then what you'll find is that the ministry of the word and prayer are first and foremost. The peripherals, you can work with. You can work with. But you're freeing them up to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you, which we'll do here in a moment. See, if you neglect the Spirit and His gifts, you will burn out. You will be very quick to burn out, and you will be no good to your family. You will be no good to the church because you've tried to do it on your own power, and that's also called pride, which is sin. Make sure you emulate Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. You have to rely on the Spirit's power. Verse 15, he says, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that you, that all, excuse me, that all may see your progress. Here's the thing, they say, elders live in a fishbowl. You're going to be under the gaze, the watching eyes of all the congregation. You're going to be looking at the things that you do, they're going to be looking at your life, and Chris... Zenon's wife, they're going to be looking at, at you guys as well. And it's part of it, part of the territory. Now, you will have to be with the Lord. You're going to have to be with the Lord. Because when you're not walking with the Lord, they're going to see it. We're going to see it. It's just part of it. Finally, verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Again, let me encourage you, be sober-minded and watchful. Persevere in all these things. By failing to do these things, by failing to preach the truth, by failing to exercise authority, by failing to keep a close eye on your walk, you jeopardize the lives of the people that are under your care. Not just your life, but the people that are under your care. Only Christ saves. You gentlemen know that. Only Christ saves. But he has ordained your ministry to be used in his plan. The furtherance of the gospel in this community, in this country, and around the world. You will be used. So be diligent. Be diligent to guard the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. The life, perfect obedience. Perfect obedience to the Father. He would live a perfect life. The penalty-paying, substitutionary atonement, extinguishing the wrath of God through His death on the cross. 
and then his curse-crushing ascension. It is our only hope. It is, as Paul would say to the Romans, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let it, with it, let us watch, warn, lead, and feed his church. Let me share with you one last thought and I'll be done. And this is a prayer from Robert Murray McShane who we heard from earlier that said, my people's greatest need is my personal holiness. He would pray this, though I am chosen by you, by God, and honored by a high and holy calling, let me never forget that I am but a man of dust and ashes, a man with all the natural faults and passions that plague the race of man. I pray you, therefore, my Lord and my Redeemer, save me from myself and from all the injuries I might do to myself while endeavoring to bless others. Fill me with your power by the Holy Spirit, and I will go in strength and tell of your righteousness. I will spread abroad the message of redeeming love while my earthly life shall last. That should be our heart. Amen. And that is our charge. And church, that is your charge. Preach the truth, exercise authority, live a life of godliness. That's for all of us. That's for all of us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these men, and I thank you for how you've ordained them to your ministry, and it is an office to be desired, and I pray that you would protect them you would protect them in their personal holiness in their lives, that you would discipline them with the rod, that you would guide them with your staff, Lord, and that they would be examples in godliness, and that they would unashamedly preach the truth, that you would empower them to do the work of an under-shepherd and to see your gospel change the lives of many people. God, that this church might be edified, that it might be built up and that it might grow and that it might bring much glory to your name and no reproach. Lord, that they might be a people who live in your presence under your authority and that they would be a people who do all things for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadian Streetlight Podcast. If you have any questions, a comment, or a podcast topic, contact us today at canadianstreetlight.ca. Soli Deo Gloria.